I'm so thankful uh, for this day because a little background today, God has taught us so much through the book of Ephesians. We've been going through that. In fact, I, I, I figured out that we're on sermon number 89 in Ephesians uh, today. And in, during that time, he's talked to a lot of groups. He talked, for the last few weeks, he talked to wives. Remember that? Then he talked to, Paul talked to husbands, and we addressed the wives when we did with, dealt with the text that talked to the wives, and we dealt, talked to the husbands when Paul was speaking to the husbands. And now, in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1, if you want to turn there, we were starting chapter 6 today. That's pretty cool. In chapter 6, verse 1, he addresses the children. And I'm convinced that if Paul were here himself, he would have the kids come down front and talk to you as well. Because in his letter, he actually speaks to the kids. That tells us that God has a high priority on speaking directly to you. Super thankful for that. Here's what he says. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it will be well with you and you will live long on the earth. God speaks. Did you know that? And he's spoken to us in his word. We all know that God has spoken by giving us a book. He didn't leave us a video or a, a show. He left us a book. And the Bible says that God speaks to us in that book in many ways. For example, we learn about the first two people. All right, let's see if you can answer this. The first two people are Adam and Eve. Very good. He tells us about how God judged the world by sending a flood. He delivered Noah and his family eight of them in a big boat called an ark. Very good. God used a shepherd boy named David who would one day be the king to defeat a giant Philistine named Goliath. Very good. Then you remember when God delivered Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego from certain death because they were thrown into a fiery furnace. Very good. Then a few chapters later, God delivered Daniel from a lion's den. Really good. You guys have read this before, haven't you? Well, listen to what God says about what God says. Did you hear that? Let's listen to what God says about what God says. In chapter one of Hebrews, he says, God, after he spoke, to the fathers, those are the Jews in the Old Testament, and the prophets in many portions and in many ways in these last days has spoken to us in his son. God used so many different ways to communicate in the Old Testament. Sometimes he tapped a prophet on the shoulder and said, say this, and they did. And the prophet would say, thus says the Lord, and they would know what God said. Sometimes he used a still, small, quiet voice. There was another time, you remember this? God used a talking donkey to talk to the people. 
So when the writer says he spoke in many ways, we understand that he spoke in many ways. But it says in the last days, his final word, he spoke to us in his son, in the language of a son, meaning that all God had to say about himself, the most intense, perfect, understandable data about God came in Jesus, in his son. Jesus was the most important person who ever lived. Mainly because he's God's revelation of himself to us because Jesus was and is God. God spoke through Jesus in his life, in his teaching, through his death, by his resurrection. So remember what some of the things that Jesus did. The disciples leave on a boat. They're out in the middle of the lake and Jesus wants to get to them in the boat. He didn't take a boat. He actually walked on the water. Very good. Remember blind Bartimaeus? He's traveling up from the down near the Sea of Galilee. and He's going up to Jerusalem and he meets a blind man named Bartimaeus. What did Jesus give blind Bartimaeus? His, his sight. Very good. And the purpose that Jesus came was to die for our sins on the cross. And after Jesus died, he was buried. And the third day, he rose from the... Wow, let's just close in prayer. You guys got this down. Nothing else to say. Good answers. But do you remember the time? I mentioned it a minute ago that Jesus interacted with children, with kids, especially young kids, in a special and a unique way. We read about that in Mark's gospel. I read you Matthew's account of this a few minutes ago. Here's what Mark says about it. He gives us more details. The people were bringing children, kids, to Jesus. They were bringing them so that he would bless them. But the disciples rebuked them. What a strange scene. You got moms and dads bringing their kids to the the living God in human flesh, the Lord Jesus. They wanted to say, Jesus, teach my son, teach my daughter, touch him, bless him. When Jesus saw this, he was upset with them. And he said, permit the children to come to me. Don't hinder them. For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly I say to you, Jesus said, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a little one, like a kid, like a child, will not enter it at all. And I love this. And he took them in his arms and began blessing them and laid his hands on them. I just see this scene where Jesus probably went over to a a stump or a rock, and he sat down, and he's holding three or four kids, and more are sitting in his feet, and some may be climbing on his shoulders and around his neck. He loved kids, and he still loves kids. So in the book, we've been studying a letter that Paul, the apostle, wrote to a group of Christians at the city of Ephesus called Ephesians, He writes to a lot of groups. As I said, he talked to wives, and we had some sermons that talked to wives. Then he talked to husbands, and we had some sermons that talked to husbands. And in chapter 6, kids, he speaks to you. 
Now, a little background. This is an almost impossible sermon to do because the word children here is the word techna. Now, that's an important word because it's not the word paideia. Paideia means young kids. Techna means offspring. It can mean any kid of any age, even adults. That could apply to us if our parents are still living. So this is addressing all kids, but this morning I want to anchor in and, and isolate younger kids and teens up to 18 if you're living under your parents' roof and under your parents' authority. The first part of this sermon, I'm going to be talking to the younger kids, but teens, students, you should listen because all of these principles are exactly the same. And then I'll transition and I'll talk specifically to those in, the youth, in student ministries and in the youth group and talk about how it applies to teens and our students. Obey your parents, children, he says. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it will be well with you and you may live long on the earth. I'm a dad. I have three sons. They're adult sons now, but they weren't always adults. They were kids. In fact, I have three boys. Luke, who's in the middle. John, who's on the left. And Mark, who's on the right. These are a picture of my boys when they were young. In fact, this was a picture I took when I made a special card for their mom for Christmas, and they all wrote on there. It's so sweet and so happy. I mean, you could write song, children's songs about this picture. It's just a, a great a great moment, one of the rare moments that they were all having a, a sweet time with each other. Um, and uh, but I, Now, some of you need to know, kids, I have Luke and then John and then Mark. And you might be saying, well, wait a minute, where's Matthew? Well, he had too many syllables, so he didn't make the cut. No, we, did, we, didn't, we never had a Matthew. And um, if we had another one, we would probably name, name the boy Axe because that's, no, we wouldn't have done that. <laughs> Now, Luke was named because we liked the name Luke. John was named after someone who mentored me. And Mark was named because we liked the name Mark Andrews. So it had nothing to do with Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But that has been confusing to everyone who's known me. They want to often say to me, Pastor, did you know that you skipped Matthew? And I just say, what? And you got the other ones out of order. So they're not named after the Gospel of Roger. But these are my sons. Now, that looks like such a wonderful time. There was another time when we wanted to take a picture of them in their dinosaur pajamas, footnote, I have permission, parents, from my boys to show these, these, these photos. We wanted to take a picture of them, and uh, this, I think this is going to be a, a Christmas card or something. And so they were sitting on the stairs with their, with their dinosaur pajamas, and the whole goal was smile. You ever have trouble smiling for family pictures sometimes, especially with the youngest, youngest? Yeah, we did too. And so two of them figured it out. And the youngest was not really smiling, nor was he enjoying the experience of his picture taken. And so I just show you this to show you, you know, it wasn't always just, you know, perfection around the Holland house. Uh, in fact, I think the only one who's here today, Luke is out of town. John lives in Louisville. Mark, where are you? Sorry, buddy, but that's it. <laughs> I think you're cute even as you're crying. And I love the crying from, from uh, that's perfect on cue. That, that's exactly how it's supposed to work. 
So we love our boys. We loved our boys. But just want you to know, we, we raised three sons. We also have two grandchildren, Charlie and Tova. Tova is the Hebrew word for good or precious. Charlie and Tova. And we get to talk to them on, on FaceTime a lot. So we love kids at our house. My wife and I love, love, love the kids that he gave us. And we love the kids that he's given to our church. So I want us to look at this passage today and see what God would have to say to you, to children. He's speaking to you. He wrote a whole, he wrote three verses to you and only one to your parents. How about that? That's special. So let's break this down together and look. And you have a, um, a bulletin that has some places you can take some notes. See if you can figure out what those blanks are and, and how you can fill those in today. How God expects you, kids, how God expects you to respond to mom and dad. And God expects you to act a certain way with respect to mom and respect to dad. Students who are in student ministries, teenagers, I may be being simple, but all of these principles apply to you as well. How do God expects you to respond to mom and dad? The first is this, to obey your parents. Verse one says, children, obey your parents in the Lord. Obey literally means listen and respond. Listen to with attentiveness and respond positively to what you hear. This is very simple, kids. God commands you to listen to your parents and obey what they tell you. But there's a closer, there's something we see when we look closer. He says, children, obey your parents in the Lord. What does that mean? What does that mean, obey them in the Lord? Well, in the Lord talks about obeying your parents in a way that is obeying God. Get this, all right, look up a second. When you obey your parents, you actually are obeying God who told you to obey your parents. You get to obey two different people or three with mom and dad and the Lord all at the same time. So when you obey your parents, it's not just obeying them. You're actually obeying what the Lord has said in your response to mom and your response to dad. Now, I was a kid one time, a long time ago, and I remember when I had to obey mom and obey dad, and it wasn't always easy. Hardly ever was it fun. In fact, it means that there's a lot of times when you're going to need to obey mom and obey dad when you don't want to. Can I say it even stronger? You're probably going to be called or asked by God to obey your mom and dad most of the time, when you'd rather not, you'd rather do other things. So the question comes up, obey mom and dad, why? Why should I do that? You can ask God, you can ask me, you can ask your parents, why should I obey mom and dad? And the text tells us, because it's the right thing to do. Because it's the right thing to do. Children, obey your parents and the Lord. Why? For this is right. Man, I hope, kids, I hope you want to do what is right. You want to do the right things and not the wrong things. I hope doing what's right is important to you. So there was a time 
I'll never forget. Mom was making my favorite dinner, which was pork chops and buttermilk cornbread. And I loved it. And I was in a hurry to eat. I, I came in and dad looked at me and he looked at my hands. And he said, Ricky, go wash your hands. And they need to wash it. I mean, my fingernails were covered in dirt. Both sides of my hands were filthy. But I could smell those pork chops. And this buttermilk cornbread was so good, she would make it in a big black cast iron skillet. And I still remember my brothers and I called it, did it separate, Mom? Because it would get really crispy on the edge and separate a little bit from the cast iron skillet. And that crunchy part was my favorite part. And it's my favorite meal. So he said, Ricky, go wash your hands. So I went in the bathroom, turned on the water, and stood there. I don't think I had a watch on, but I thought about it for a while. After two or three minutes, I turned the water off, and I went back to the table. Something I didn't tell you. That night, Mom had made my favorite dessert, banana pudding. You guys ever had banana pudding? You haven't? Oh, we got to talk to your parents. It has vanilla pudding and whipped cream, bananas and vanilla wafers. They're so good. So I'm sitting at the table, and I'm looking at these pork chops, said the blessing, and then it was time to eat. And I was right next to my dad. And I looked at my hands, and I looked at my dad, and I looked at that pork chop. And I was trying not to be exposed, so I waited till he was talking, and I cut a piece of pork chop. I threw it in my mouth and put my hands back down. Did you know that dads are pretty smart? They're not as smart as mom, but they're pretty smart. <laughs> well, he looked over and he said, Ricky, did you wash your hands? I thought about it for a minute and I said, yes, dad, I did. And then he said, Ricky, can I see your hands? And I began to sweat. So I showed him my hands. And what do you think my hands looked like? They were dirty. They were filthy. And he said, son, your hands don't look very clean. And so my only answer was, well, I didn't wash them very well. And he felt them, and they weren't wet at all. And he says, Ricky, are you telling me a lie? Yes, Dad. I'm, I, I didn't tell the truth. So then I had to go wash my hands, and I came back to dinner, and my brother, two brothers and sisters got to have banana pudding, and I didn't because I didn't wash my hands, and I lied about it. After dinner, Dad said, Son, do you understand that you took the time to pretend like you were washing your hands and you could have washed your hands? Then it took you double the time to go wash your hands again and you lost dessert. And he said something really simple. It would have been easier to just do what was right. And he was right. He was correct. 
Children, obey your mom and dad. Why? Because it's the right thing to do. But that's not all. That's what you do. Your attitude is just as important. Because the second response to your parents is not only to obey them, but to honor them. Honor your parents. Look at verse 2. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise. Notice it says mom and dad. You can't pick a favorite. I'm only going to obey mom or I'm only going to obey dad. You got to obey both, which is the first commandment with a promise. Obeying is about what you do outside. Honoring is what your heart does inside. It's how you think. It's your attitude. Your parents ever say to you, watch your attitude. Obey with a good attitude. Obey with the right attitude. Boy, I heard that a lot growing up. Honor your father and mother. Where did Paul get that? Did you know that that's the fifth of the Ten Commandments? Exodus chapter 20 records the Ten Commandments. This is what Moses writes. Honor your father and your mother that your days may be prolonged in the land which the Lord your God gives you. Think about this. Honoring your mom and dad is so important to God that it made the Ten Commandments. There are 636 commandments, laws in the Old Testament. He summarizes them all in 10, that's the Ten Commandments, and one of them has to do with obeying your mom and dad. That's pretty significant, isn't it? Paul even says that you can tell that the world is getting bad and the days are getting close to Christ's return when people, when children disobey their parents at the end of Romans chapter 1. So, have a good attitude toward your parents. Be kind when they ask you and command you to do things. Respond with a happy heart. Where do you get that? It says, honor your father and mother. Why? Why should I do that? He tells us, because life goes better. Verse 3, so that it may be well with you. Honor them so it goes better for you. Life goes well with you, and you will live long on the earth. This simple principle is easy to understand, but hard to learn. Things go better for you when you obey mom and dad. Proverbs 1.8, hear your son's instruction and do not forsake your mother's teaching. Listen to what mom and dad say with a heart that wants to learn. Proverbs 23, verse 22, listen to your father who begot you and do not despise your mother when she is old. That means your whole life you should be learning to listen to mom and dad. They have wisdom that we sang about a minute ago to give to you. So let me tell you a story, okay? Let's see if you can answer some questions. At the end of Genesis, the book of Genesis All of the Jews were held captive, slaves in a land and a country called Egypt. Very good. Finally, God delivered them. And we call that deliverance, it's a book in the Bible called the Exodus. Like the word exit, they exited uh, uh, um, Egypt. There was an exodus where they were all delivered from there. Well, they sinned, and after 40 years of being disciplined by the Lord, it was time for them to go into the land. 
So they come all the way up to the river that marked one of the boundaries of, of Israel. And they were about to be given the land. And there, the plains there is a big plain, kind of like out in, in uh, uh, western Kansas. And they stood there, and Moses told them what God expected from them. In fact, he did that a second time, which is what the word Deuteronomy means, second time he gives the law. So he gives it to them. Listen to what he says. Deuteronomy chapter 6. Listen or hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is our God. The Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. God's to be the most important thing in our lives. Then he says, these words I'm commanding you today, they shall be on your heart. And then he tells the parents this, you shall teach them the things that God says about himself, the thing that God expects from his people. You shall teach them to your sons and daughters and they shall talk and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise up. You know what that means, guys? Kiddos, that means that life is God's classroom and God intends for your parents to be the teacher about what he thinks and what he says and what he expects. So everything in life can cause you to ask your mom and your dad questions about God. So much so that just a few verses later in Deuteronomy 6.20, listen to what he says. Moses says, when your sons and your daughters ask you in time saying, what do the commandments, the testimonies, the statutes, the judgments in God's word mean? They'll have an answer for you. That's interesting to me. So you're going to grow up hearing your mom and dad say, do this and don't do that. And eventually it's okay to say, why should I do that? And they have an answer. It will go well with you and you'll live long. This will prolong your living. This will help you have a better experience in life. So, kids, one of the best things you can do is be curious about God. Have questions about who God is and what God is like and what God said and what God commands and what God expects. And then ask your mom and your dad what those mean. And you will always have questions. Pastor Rick has been preaching for over 40 years. And every single week when I read my Bible, there are questions I don't know. I don't have the answer for it. I have to go study. I have to ask people who do know. It's okay not to know. And don't be surprised if you ever say, Dad, what does this mean? And your dad says, I don't know, but I'll find out. That's okay. But ask your mom and your dad about the things that you're learning in the Bible. So what is the book that we're studying in, in church right now? The book of Ephesians, right. Do you remember who the pastor of the church at Ephesus was? It used to be Paul, but Paul left to go be a missionary again, and he left the church to his young disciple named Timothy. Good, very good. This is what Paul told Timothy. Listen very carefully. In 2 Timothy 3.14, Timothy you continue in the things you've learned and become convinced of, knowing from whom you have learned them. Hmm. So Timothy learned a lot about God and a lot about salvation, a lot about what God expects. How? Next verse. That from childhood, when you were a kid, you've known the sacred writings, the scriptures, the, 
Old Testament, which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. And then what's really cool is if you go back to chapter one, we find out specifically he learned these things from his mom and his grandmom. Do you try to learn things from your mom and your grandma? One of the best things you can do is to develop and learn how to ask mom and dad questions about God, questions about the Bible. You should read the Bible and have questions and say, Dad, help me here. Mom, what does this mean? Your parents love you. They love you so much. Your parents do a lot for you. Also... You are expensive. (laughs) I did some research yesterday, which meant five minutes of a Google search. I couldn't find a 2023 statistic, but as of December of 2022, I'm just telling you what Google told me. Raising a child from birth to 18 costs roughly, are you sitting down? $288,000 per child. I love how it says, give or take a few thousand. (laughs) So if you take inflation, almost $300,000 to get you from birth to 18. You are wonderfully expensive kids, but they spend money because they love you. Think for a minute about all that your parents do for you. They feed you. My favorite, my favorite meal growing up was pork chops. Do you have a favorite meal that your mom makes? Yeah. Well, I remember when I, when I knew it was pork chops, I was always there early, but I never washed my hands, right? Well, I did after that, that time, I can promise you. They give you clothes. They wash your clothes. Well, mom washes your clothes. They clean up after you. They clean up with you. They teach you. They listen to you. They transport you in the car from one place to another. They play with you. They give you gifts. They provide you with snacks. They provide the support you need to play sports. They pray for you. They bring you to church. Your parents love you. And one of their goals is that one day you'll have kids you'll love the same way that they love you. Now, just a moment for teens, junior and senior hires. Can I talk to you for a minute? The teen years can bring new tensions into your relationship with your parents. And the reason is simple. It's to be expected. You naturally have grown to the point where you desire to be your own person, make your own decisions, which means that you want what you want more than you want to be told what you need to do. That's from books I've read. No experience there. That's a joke. Listen, students, there'll be plenty of time for you to do that. But for now... God's blessing will follow you if you follow your parents' lead by obeying and honoring them in attitude and in deed. If you say, well, I want to grow up and move past this, you'll know it's time to grow up and move past past that when you know how to honor and obey them. For you as a student, as a youth, 
Your response to your parents is a reflex of your love for Christ and your belief in the gospel. And if you have trouble submitting to your parents, the question we have to ask is, are you submitting to Christ? Now, I do want to add a footnote here. As you get into junior or senior high, I think all parents would, would, would huddle up and agree with me here. It's okay to disagree with your parents, but how you disagree and how you appeal to them about those disagreements goes back to honoring them and your attitude. It's certainly fine to say, Mama, I, Dad, I don't, I don't understand this. Can you help me understand so that I can honor and obey you? That's a great conversation to have. If you do that with an attitude that loves them, that respects them, that, that's working with them, not against them. It's when you're smart aleck and sassy and disrespectful. That will not go well with you, this text says, if you're not honoring them. The main question that you need to be asking is not simple obedience to mom and dad, but have you believed the gospel and given your life to Christ? Jonathan Edwards, one of my historical heroes, when he was 18 years old, wrote a series of resolutions, commitments that he made to himself and to the Lord. Here's resolution number 52. Think about this, junior and senior hires, even collegians. He said, I frequently hear persons in old age say how they would live if they were to live their lives over again. He was smart enough to hear people who were older say, oh, if I was young, I wouldn't do this or I would do that. He listened. He said, resolved that I will live just so as I think I shall wish I had done, supposing I live to an old age. Then he says this in a sermon directed to junior and senior hires. Edward said this. Experience teaches that when, a, when persons spend their youths in sin, God often leaves them to the hardness of the heart their lifetime, all their lifetime afterwards. God is provoked by how many sin away their youth and flatter themselves that they will seek God someday when youth has passed. But God is provoked by their presumption and leaves them to go on as they have been. Don't, don't stiff arm God's call. Be serious about being serious about the Lord. So, this is a very prized possession. This is a, a, a pocket watch that some students in our ministry gave to me back in the late 80s. It was before the Soviet Union fell from the USSR, and it was, a, it was a made there in the USSR, and because they, they religiously fled from persecution and came to uh, America, and, uh, we their whole family we ministered to for multiple years. They wanted to thank me, so they gave me this, this watch. It is a prized possession because of what's, what it means to me. But in order to tell you what I really want you to know, kids, I want to do something with you. Ozzy, can you come up? My friend Ozzy, 
How are you doing? Pretty good. Pretty good? Okay. Now, what you'll see is what I see every week, and you guys have probably seen it on your way out, but as I'm preaching, there's a clock on the wall back there. And that clock, every week, is tapping me on the chest. And it's, it's like the sand running out of the hourglass. And I, I, I almost always have trouble getting finished on time. So I keep looking at that. So if you were looking at that clock right now, Ozzy, what time does it say? 11.46. 11.46. Pretty good. Now, this is my watch that I don't think has been running in more than a decade. What time is it? 3 o'clock. 3 o'clock. Which one's right? Which, I wish this was 3 a.m. and I could keep going for another, you know, six or seven hours. That, that would be great. Why is that one right and this one wrong? Because that one's been running. And this one is not running, right? Can you guys give Ozzy a thankful hand? Thanks, man. Very good. Kids, I like this watch better than that clock. A lot better. You're welcome to come and see it at the end if you want to. It's really cool. It's got a bird, uh, probably a grouse carved on the outside. It's got leaves on, and uh, pine cones on the back. It's, it's a really cool little watch. I like this watch much better than that. But if I used the fact that I like this better than that to tell time, I'd be in trouble. That's right. This one isn't. This is like your heart. That's all you like better than being told what to do. I like this one better, but it's not going to lead me to where I need to be at the right time. I need to listen to what's right, which is the clock on the wall. Your parents are like the right clock in your life. God intends you to listen to them. They are telling you what's best for you. And it's right to follow them. Teens, if you have a question about that, you can appeal with an honoring, godly way, but at the end, you still need to honor and obey your mom and your dad. Because it'll go well with you, and your life will be better. Your parents, as I said, love you, and they want you to understand what's best for you and believe the good news of the Bible, which tells you about your Savior, the Lord Jesus. So, get your sheets. What does God require of children? There are two blanks there. What, are, what is it? Obey and honor. Is it right or wrong to obey your parents? It is right. Where is the command to obey your parents first in the Bible? What's Paul quoting? The, the Ten Commandments. Good. And what blessing will follow you? It will be well with you and you will live long on the earth. You have a better life. So the last three little um, lines there say, write down three ways you can honor and obey your parents today. Would you do Pastor Rick a favor? Can you use that last question as a way to talk to your parents, maybe at lunch today, and say, here's three ways that I can do a better job at obeying and at honoring you. And if you do, life goes better.
God promises that. One of the best things you can ever do is talk to them about the main purpose of the Bible, which is to teach you about God's son, Jesus, and how heaven can be grasped because you understand the good news of salvation. Father, thank you for the opportunity to look at this text with my young friends. I pray that they will indeed have a desire to obey and to honor you for their good and for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.